Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to the main man from Warrior Soul, the outspoken Corey Clark. We talk about their most recent release, Rock and Roll Disease, and we go back and hear all the stories from their classic 90s albums. Check it out. Welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, Corey? I'm cool, man. Really cool. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for the uh, taking some time to talk today. The most recent release you guys have was uh, 2019 Rock and Roll Disease. Uh, what do you want to tell everybody about that one? Wear face masks. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of the above. You, know, you don't want to end up in a, in a hospital room with a hazmat guy looking at you, sticking a needle in you. So, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a killer rock record, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I was jamming on it. I think it sounds great. I noticed it's a little bit more straightforward um, than maybe like, you know. A lot more straightforward. Yeah, yeah, I mean. A lot more. Yeah, definitely like I'm picking up on some like ACDC, Motorhead vibes, stuff All like right. that. But it, it co- comes across great, man. Really great. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I've worked with a lot of good guys out of Chicago on that record. And the record before, back on the last, which is another straightforward kind of thing i just i decided to to back off the vocal effects and and just go straight in your face with with this kind of stuff which i haven't really done in in uh the last few you know the records i usually do were so so the last two records have been really dry and cranked and in your face what i noticed too is you know the songs are are catchy you know and they get stuck in your head and you know what i almost think as i went back and i listened to some of the old warrior soul albums even though i mean you think you're always going to be known for you know like the political lyrics and the message and the anthems i mean your songs man they they get stuck in your head i've had love destruction like in my head all week so the songs do get stuck (laughs) they get stuck in your head man well yeah well that's the idea isn't it i mean you know i didn't i didn't get signed it because I didn't write good songs, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, you try, you know, everybody tries to write something that somebody's going to like, you know. It's not like you go out there and go, hmm, I'm going to write something that no one's going to like. <laughs> you know, it's, like <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of the goal, really, isn't it? Well, I think, too, especially when you have a, a, a strong message, you know, it, it's going to come across better if it if you can remember the melodies and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I can remember listening to stuff like Skinny Puppy back in the day, and I mean, yeah. that was some cool stuff. But there was, I mean, to be honest, I didn't. Re- there's not a lot of melody or anything in that. You know what I mean? Well, no, actually, I mean it's pretty industrial, isn't it? Right. Really? Yeah. But uh, but uh, you know, they had a nice stage set up, and they knew how to tour. They were good. Oh, definitely. Well, let's go yeah. back in time a little bit because this is the 80s glam metal cast and I know that you guys were definitely not 80s glam. What we usually do on this is we kind of go back and, and talk about some of the stuff from the past. So It's kind of it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. Is it? To, to listen to, you know, stupid Hollywood crap. Yeah. Um, but, 
you know, it's fun. It, it's, you know, it was a time period. It, it just, it just kind of dragged on a little bit too long. That's why I created Warrior Soul. Right. But, um, you know, I could see, I could see the writing on the walls when you, you know, she's my cherry pie came out. You're like, yeah, okay, that's enough. Of this. But, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I still, you know, I still love rat and I like Motley Crue to a certain extent. You know, you know, there's some of that stuff is pretty fun. But, that's, um, that's awesome that you say that because I wouldn't, I wouldn't picture that from you. No, I, I mean, come on. It, this stuff was good. It just, it just got, it just kind of dragged on a bit. And then when Warrior Soul, Soundgarden, Nirvana, you know, we we took it we just changed it up a bit you know went more to a more bluesy sabbath based sort of feel and mm -hmm. you know just got out of that sort of you know hot rod kickstart your heart stuff you know I just it was time to move on yeah what do you I, this was a question that i was going to ask you but we'll jump right to it now is uh what do you think sure. killed this that genre do you think they killed themselves was it the labels was it mtv who who put the nail in the coffin you think i don't know i, I wish they would have killed themselves altogether but uh, you know <laughs> um you know I, I think you know it just when things go on too long it just you can feel it it's like okay now we've got another bunch of guys dressed up like chicks, singing about whatever stupid crap, like emotional songs about you know their girlfriends. I mean, it's like you can only take that so long. And you know, I think you know as we got into the '90s, it was kind of time to, to to start looking at what was going on in the country and what's going on in the world uh, as far as the people that aren't beautiful and the people that are, you know kind of kicked down instead of making them you know worship you bring them up and, and make them feel cool and uh that was kind of my approach to the first album and the second album and yeah. the third album yeah definitely because uh let's jump right into the last decade dead century i mean that was that's a killer album i remember i was probably maybe 14 15 years old when i got it and i think i was kind of in that same place where i, I was kind of like you know the rebellious part of you is coming out and, you, and you're thinking outside of the box. And even myself, I was kind of getting tired of the whole uh, hair metal scene because like you said, it it just kind of regurgitated and you've got copies of copies and there wasn't a lot of substance there. So when you guys came out, that's kind of where my head was at anyways, where, what I wanted from music. Um, well, this, you know, well, this is what I was thinking. I mean, if I'm getting tired of it, and then I know everyone else is tired of it too. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a, you know, indisposed to, you know, trends and things that are going on. And, and it just, it was, it was time for a change. And, uh, I think, uh, a lot of us, a lot of us in the music industry at that time brought the change on pretty strongly, you know, Stone Temple Pilots and, you know, that kind of those bands, you know? Yeah. And definitely, I think you brought in elements, uh, you touched on it with Sabbath, you brought in a lot of the elements from the 60s and the 70s, you know, psychedelic vibes, right. poetic lyrics. Yeah. It's kind of stuff that was just missing, you know, during the whole 80s, uh, you know, glam scene. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, the drug of choice at that time was cocaine, and uh, they, Hollywood expressed that, you know, very, you know, in, in a massive way, and, you know, it, it when 1990 hit, it was, you know, the Berlin Wall had come down, and it, it was time for a new 
a new look at, at things. Yeah. So you guys ended up having like four videos, I think, off that first album. So th- the label was really pushing you. What was the expectation? Well, I mean, Cliff Bernstein at, at Q Prime said it, maybe it'd be better to do three or four cheap videos instead of one big video. Okay. Which I was against because if I was going to be on a, a major label, I thought I should have a, a, a really big video. I, I ended up being stuck in Headbangers Ball because of it, but yeah. <laughs> the uh, the record sales kind of warrant when you when they're going to put the money into putting you on MTV. And um, I'm not sure how the politics actually work. I, I honestly don't even know how the record industry works. Uh, even being in it for 35 years, 40 years, I you know I don't know how it works. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck what charts mean. I don't know what the fuck any of that shit is. Yeah, but. Uh, but uh, we we went for the option of doing low budget videos and to have more of them out there, and it gave me a chance to do a lot of the directing and editing too. So, you know, I had more control because it was lower budget stuff. Because if you when you start putting more money into it, then you get a lot more people saying a lot more stuff, you know, and trying to to push you around. You know, it was a good strategy at the time, I thought, but. Um, the real deal, which would have really helped me, is not to come out on DGC the way we did, mm-hmm. but to put out a, a record on a sub-label first, the way Guns did, the way James Addiction did. Right, right. And I think that, I think that would have helped me, but they, everybody was like waiting for me to be the next you know, Bon Jovi or whatever. And uh, we, we, we went with the, uh, with the big stuff first, and I think my attorney... I can't remember his name. I've got Alzheimer's. But uh, they all thought maybe maybe you should just put out this, you know, put a record out on your own and then go to put it out in the majors. You know, just like James Addiction, just like Guns N' Roses. And, and it was, a, it was a, a good formula, and it worked. For me, they just wanted me to go out. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I think the element of that is if you're going to go out, then, then give me a big-budget video to go with it, you know? So don't act like I'm going to be this underground guy, but on a major lay, I just, you know, just, I don't know. I wanted to do it the other way, but the powers of being, I, I signed with some big people, so right. I had to kind of play, play ball, and I don't know, hindsight's a bitch, whatever. <laughs> so in 90, I mean, you guys are kind of like the alternative before alternative is a thing, and in reality, you mentioned Headbangers Ball. You kind of didn't really fit in anywhere. I, mean, I don't think you really fit on Headbangers Ball. I don't think you fit in with like Pearl Jam and stuff like that. You're kind of in your own lane. Yeah, I wasn't. But I mean, if I'd have moved to Seattle in 1991, maybe, and put out the second album out of Seattle, or we used Sub Pop as maybe a label to to come off of and then move up to Gaffin, you know, the, things would have been a lot different because I would have been the political message for that movement. Right. And because I was because I was from New York City, no, none of the press would accept me. You had to be from Seattle, <laughs> right? Or yeah, you weren't you weren't shit. You know. I think ultimately, and I don't maybe you agree, but honestly, I feel like the whole grunge thing became what the hair metal thing was. Anyways, it it, it I don't think it had that much substance as it got going, and and it was copycat. Ba- it was it's almost like. The labels win, right? They 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 push all the hair metal. They make their money. It dries up. They push the grunge. That dry, you know what I mean? To me, it just kind of felt the same once it got going. Well, it, it, 
Again, I agree with you. It, uh, every movement like that always runs out of steam somewhere. Right. And you move on to the next thing, which is why I created Space Age Playboys and did, did all those records. So everything runs out of steam, gets out of fashion, you know, whatever. But I've never, even to this day, I just never accepted people that play on stage in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it just never it just never worked for me yeah you gotta kind of look like you're in a band you know what i mean i, I agree with you oh well, you know i listen i look like a bum most of the time because i am but you know <laughs> not a homeless bum you know what i mean yeah just a regular <laughs> bum <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just a normal alcoholic bum. <laughs> what what album out of these original ones on Geffen sold the best? Do you know? Um, I think they all went over a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So some about hundred fifty thousand, which today would be like fucking amazing. Oh right, yeah, but, today's a totally different story. But but you know, it's a, the third album they just totally dropped on me because I produced it mm-hmm. with my name on it, and they didn't like that. Gotcha, gotcha. They wanted to use some name guys, and Tom Zutow called me when I was in Electric Lady Studios. Already, everything set, all the engineers, everything. We're in there. We're starting to record, and Tom calls me. He goes, "Don't you, don't you want a, a real producer?" And I'm like, "I am a real producer. Right, I just right. produced the first two records. You know what I mean?" So. I was like, you know, maybe I should have called Ron St. James. Maybe we'd have bigger harmonies on, on the third album. I don't know. I, just, I mean, the the material was going to be essentially the same anyway. You know, letting loose $50,000 to somebody for basically doing what I was going to do anyway. You know, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Maybe I'm a huge fuck up or whatever. <laughs> but, but, well, I don't think know. so, Corey. I don't think so. Well, you know, Geffen totally shelved that record because I produced it. Simple as that. So, so you get to '91, Drugs God, The New Republic, uh, Wasteland is the, yeah. is the video, or at least I think that that was the first video I think off the album. That Hero. Was, Hero. Hero was okay. So yeah. Hero was first. This was second. Wasteland was kind yeah. of like a ballsy move, I think. To, I'm kind of surprised they released that as a single. Well, I, you know what? It, it's turned out to be one of my most popular songs. Right. Oddly enough. And uh, I did the riff with Johnny Rico up in my apartment, and uh, it was a nice kind of 50s kind of driving jam. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was cool. And I was working with Adam Dubin, the director. Um, and it, I, thought, I thought the whole, that whole little package came together pretty good. Um, the video, the song, and the way they promoted it, I thought it was pretty good. And we, did, we sold a lot of records. Yeah, I think that one was a good choice. Like I said, it it really showed the attitude. And uh, honestly, with with a lot of the stuff that said, like I said, I was surprised that it was picked for a single. But I think it uh, really is what you guys are about. You know what I mean? The the message is there. Oh yeah, hard driving Detroit, New York kind of rock and roll. You know, you opened for Queensrÿche uh, for that album. I'm pretty sure I saw you in. Um, in New York, I saw you guys, and I thought you were great. How did that tour go, though? Did you? How did you guys go over? Everything was cool when we were in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then I went to I went to Boston Garden, and uh, I did my uh, middle section four more years. Yep. Spoken word piece, and uh, ending with you know my finger in the air, going "fuck Bush, fuck Bush, fuck Bush," 
And when I when when the song stopped, my band was so scared. They wouldn't they didn't like the audience was stunned. And instead of going into the next song, they just stood there looking at each other. Huh. And I'm like, fucking I'm like, play the fucking next song, you asshole. Because <laughs> somebody's gonna start tripping up and soon enough. Some guy goes, Fuck you and I go, Fuck you, Republican scumbag and then like the whole place erupted. Oh, wow. <laughs> They were throwing shit. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> so then I, I just walked. I walked off stage. Yeah, that was it. So, you, so you had a few rough crowds then that that didn't didn't uh, agree well, with. It, it, uh, well, you know, Republicans are a rough crowd. <laughs> you know, they they like some stupid ass shit. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> How about Queens drugs? You get along I, with I, those guys? Listen, if you're a Republican, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but. Nah, man, I don't. I don't do political. I, I know. <laughs> I stay right in the middle. I, I don't. I do. You know, I th- I think one's worse oh, than the I other. Do. I hate fucking Republicans. That's for damn sure. <laughs> How was? Did you get along with Queens, right? They were fucking pussies, dude. Were they? I mean, Jeff Tate was pretty cool. I remember in Quebec City, my bass player, my drummer, came upstairs uh, with two chicks, right? Mm-hmm. And they go to the ice machine and. Jeff Tate sees them. The girls are jerking him off into the fucking ice machine. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Jeff Tate's, like, freaking out because he's going to get me. I, I get nice soon enough. <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we had some fun. So you get the salutations from the Ghetto Nation. Is this the, the this is the album where you produced it and they didn't like it? Is that what, is that what you said? Well, in, in, in reality, I produced all the records. but Okay. We didn't put the name on there. Well, I, I'm. It's produced by Blah Blah and Corey Clark, or Blah Blah and Corey Clark. The, the third album, I just said produced by Corey Clark. That's it. This one, it seemed like you kind of were going more. There's a lot more of the songs with the punk edge. I feel like on this album. Well, you got punk and belligerent. They can't get much more. Punk. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to ask you something, and and sometimes you might go through this too. As time goes by, you can't really remember all the details of stuff and i know that the first video was love destruction but i want to say there was like a local radio station that was playing punk and belligerent did some radio stations play that song of course if you're gonna play um nirvana stuff why wouldn't you play punk and belligerent but what it wasn't a single was it no not officially no but you know people people picked up on it and you know you can go deep on that record uh for for songs uh, I think there's ten tracks on that record, and, and a lot of those tracks are, are singles. I mean, certainly are. Dimension, the whole. It's uh, you know, ass kicking rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of songs on that record. Was the only video Love Destruction? Yes, they 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 wouldn't promote anything. You know, they they were like they hated me so much. And that's what I told them to basically fuck off. I had another deal sitting at Electra, and my management company dropped the ball on that. And uh, we asked to be let go from Geffen, and we said, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth. It, it was like we're on a we're on a call with the lawyers over Geffen, and I think we had it was actually Tom Zutat as well. And I said, we said, uh, look, you've got two hundred twenty-five grand coming to this band for this album. Now we'll take seventy-five grand and walk and go to Electra, or you get chill pill. And they said, we'll take chill pill. And I'm like, let me go, dude. Yeah. Just give me 75 to walk and I walk. You don't have to put anything into it. I'll go to Electra and 
And I had all the material, the, the stuff that's on um, odds and ends, is the material I was going to do for Electra mm-hmm. for the fourth album. So Chill Pill really so, just kind of came out with a, a whimper, right? There was no promo for that whatsoever. No, and you know why? They hated me so much, and I hated them so much, and they, they didn't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. It's like you had to give me $225,000 to make a $10,000 record. It's stupid. You could have gave me seventy five, and I walk. So I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. It, whatever. Fucking music business dickwads yeah i mean you hear it from everybody i mean i i said i've interviewed a lot of people and you know the labels get it wrong quite most probably most of the time you know they don't pick the right songs to release they don't promote it the right way so it's just the way it is it's it's ruled by committee you know you don't you're not getting the pure stuff you know why why is the alice cooper records really good when he's on reprise because he's you know I don't know. I mean, once once you get a bunch of people in the pot and businessmen and you know the the radio promotions guys, and all, it just fuck man. It gets diluted at some point. Do you think that um, to make a record today is a lot more uh, enjoyable than it would be back then when you've got all these people with their hands in the pot? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> fuck no. No, no, man. It, it, it's nice having a lot of money, man. <laughs> <laughs> so there's advantages to being on these big labels, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm right. And, you know, the limos the, the hanging around, Nostradamus effect. Um, you know, there's lots of good things there. So by the time you get to Space Age Playboys, I think you've got almost like a whole new band, except for the bassist, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the look... The look and the sound is a little different. I mean, even though I still feel it just sounds like Warrior Soul, but I think it's the look that seemed to change a little bit. What was going on? I know you were trying to a little bit of a different direction at that point. Well, you know, well, my hair was down to my knees. Right, right. Okay? So we were up recording in Massachusetts up at uh, the bass player Pete McClanahan's dad's place. He had a farm up there, up in the mountains, up in uh, uh, Berkshires. Have you ever been up there? No. It's really beautiful. It's, a, it's about 60 acres of just, you know, farmland. And he had, a, he had like a, a two, uh, like a cabin, really. And uh, I set up a studio up there to record. We all dropped acid. And I was looking at Bowie's, one of Bowie's covers, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth. Okay. And I'm like, I looked at, you know, and you never ever should look at your image in a mirror when you're on acid, ever. Because things don't look right. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I just cut my hair up right there. I said, wow. that's it. I wanna I wanna be more like look more like Bowie now. You know, and I had really long hair for eight or nine years. It's like I'm sick of it, man. Let's go for a new look, etc. And um, that's that's how the look started. <laughs> So then eventually the band just kind of came to an end, right? Mid-90s, 96, somewhere in there. When, when did it kind of end? Well, I mean, I did some massive touring on the uh, Space Age Playboys album. Okay. From 94, 95, 96. And then uh, Pete McClanahan decided he wanted to explore uh, opiates. Oh, boy. <laughs> More than he wanted to fucking play rock and roll. And uh, I just disbanded it. 
and moved out to Hollywood to be in the belly of the beast mm-hmm. and uh, started Space Age Playboys. Nice. The band. So if somebody had lost track of Warrior Soul over the years, I know you've done some recent albums. Where, where, what do you think is the best starting point to, to get back into the band with some of these newer albums? Well, start with Destroy the War Machine. It's a fucking great album. Mm-hmm. And I used a Banksy painting as a cover. And uh, yeah, it, that's a fucking kick-ass record. And then the next one, Stiff Middle Finger, which is another pretty, you know, it was a tough record to make, but we made it. Um, in Spain with producer Sue Jair. Then I did a solo record called Payback's a Bitch, which is another strong really strong record with Miguel Martins. And then the, the, the last two, which was the, my Chicago crew, um, you know, Back on the Lash. It's a really catchy, fun record. And uh, Rock and Roll Disease is a really good record too, I think. So, you know, start with Destroy the War Machine, see if you can get through that. And if you ever get a chance, check out my side project, uh, Holy City Zoo It's the name of the album. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of the band right now. <laughs> Mob Research. Mob Research. It was uh, Paul Raven from Killing Joke and uh, Ministry. Mark Gemini Thwaite, didn't you? And uh, he was from, uh, and we used a drummer from, uh, oh, God. I can't remember anything, man. I've got Rockheimers to it. Rockheimers? <laughs> Rockheimers. But, you know, it's just I've done so many fucking records, it's ridiculous, and my paintings have gone really well. I've sold over 500 paintings. And so, how, how can somebody get one of those? Just uh, message you uh, through Facebook or your website? Either way, I mean, you know, warriorsoulmgmt at gmail.com. Nice. Warriorsoulmanagement at gmail.com. Or just go to Facebook, you know, Warriorsoul Official, or hit my, my Facebook if you want to see some anti-republican stuff <laughs> you know, so man great conversation what do you want to tell everybody that's been following you all these years what do you want to say in closing well i just um i literally just got off the phone with somebody that is in the hospital with the coronavirus and um i'm just saying wear a fucking mask and wear fucking gloves because this guy had to be induced into a coma oh. he's died four times already and uh He's just coming out of it. He's been in the hospital for nine weeks with this shit. So I'm just, everybody be fucking careful, really. Definitely. All right, brother. Will you stay safe, be healthy, and uh, thanks a lot for all the music. Smoke crack. See ya. (laughs) See you later, brother. Bye. That was an awesome conversation with Corey. Hope you all enjoyed it. Rock on!